Hello, Master. It's been a while. We are off on an adventure! This is good. When it gets strange like this, it's a good thing. For what it's worth, I've got a good feeling about this. Trust me, Hera. I'm excited. This is my excited face. Get ready to be impressed! You ready to be impressed, Tam? I'm completely ready. Hey everyone, you're listening to Geeky Bubble, part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. I'm your host, Jonah Marie, and with me is the Kuiper Crystal to my lightsaber, my mom, Maria. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> How are you, mommy? I'm okay, I'm okay. Uh, starting to feel the heat. Yes, it's it's getting warmer out there. Yes. Yeah, sadly. Summer is coming. Yes, I'm, it's not my favorite season. I prefer fall. Yeah, everybody prefers fall. Yeah. Fall and, uh, and spring are the best. Are they best? Although spring is like a blip on the radar. It just, yeah. It just comes and goes, <laughs> goes very <yeah>. quickly. <laughs> but our discussion question for the week is, who would you want as your Jedi Master? Yes. Oh, boy. I have to say Yoda. Really? Yeah. Yoda, to me, he's cool. And he has all these wise things to say. But there's a difference between saying something wise and having that person think on it. And then just leaving them in the dark and leaving them clueless, which is often the case with Yoda. There's never really a solid explanation for the things he says. Like, remember Malachor and Ezra? Yeah, yeah, but we've seen Yoda not really in the master Padawan role. Well, yeah, yeah in, in screen, yeah. I think I think something that came out recently, Dooku, Dooku Jedi Lost, I think, uh, they kind of dive into that a little bit. I'm not sure, I'm guessing. But yeah, we haven't seen it so, on so, the screen. So, uh, and, and that's why I, I would like, I, I would want to have him, because I will really be annoying at the questions. And whenever he has answers, I will go, but why? Yeah. You know, just like you used to do when I was, you were, little kid and all the kids do but yeah. why yeah yeah Kanan was like that when he was younger exactly and, and and that's the part because right now I don't think I ever remember a time in my life where I was the one asking questions it was always other people asking me questions right so I, I want to be in that role where I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna drill you right. I'm gonna ask that but why <laughs> and that's the thing. I don't know whether Yoda will answer them. He'll give you some wise thing, and and then you'll have to figure it out. You on never your own. know. You never know. I don't know. Yoda doesn't seem like an egg that would crack very easily. <laughs> exactly. He will have patience. Yeah, that's true. I would go with either Depa Balaba because she taught Kanan, or Kanan himself. Because I really liked how Kanan took what he had learned as a kid and then modified it to Ezra. Like, he didn't give him word for word what he had learned. He knew that he had to customize his approach for this particular student who, you know, has his own set of beliefs and views and whatnot so i like that i like a teacher that knows how to approach the situation or or learns how to approach the situation because he didn't know from the very beginning how to do this but with time he grew to 
figure out how to teach this particular person. So I, I like I like Kanan for that. And and Depa Balava just because she's awesome. And I think she she needs more stories. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have someone in mind to be your Jedi Master, please let us know on social media. So in today's episode, we looked back at The Gathering, A Test of Strength, Bound for Rescue, and A Necessary Bond, which is otherwise known as the Jedi Youngling Arc. And fun fact about these episodes that I learned about today. (laughs) Uh, According to Lucasfilm's Pablo Hidalgo, actually, that's not true. I had learned about it when it first came out in 2016 when he tweeted this, but it was such a minor thing that I forgot about it. You rediscovered it. I rediscovered it, yeah. Uh, According to Pablo Hidalgo, he said that the Youngling episodes were going to be removed from season five and put together as its own potential pilot movie for a series that never happened. Oh, man. Yeah. So my question to you is, do you like that idea? Or is it better that it was a self-contained kind of story within the Clone Wars? Well, I, I like the concept. So if properly thought of and put together, I think it would have been amazing. What I saw from those these four episodes, you would have needed a lot of the minds that worked with Rebels. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they knew one, how to write kids. Exactly. One of the things I loved about Rebels was the fact that these writers knew about children. They knew how kids behave. They knew how kids grow and think and mature and can come in and out of that maturing state, you know? And I like that because it was very realistic. It wasn't something that it was not attainable. Or over the top. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it would have to have that set of, of writers. Right. Because you're working with kids. You're working with young adults that, that are learning to use a power that takes decades uh, and to probably master. centuries to master, right, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that's so, a good point. The writers are an important thing to have when writing about children. Yeah. Because it could easily go towards the very dumped down side or the very unrealistic that right. kids who watch it may think like, I'm no good because that's what a kid is supposed to be. And I'm not that to that level. I'm, you know that, what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, that, that's true. But I was thinking more of like the annoying side. Like uh, there have been shows that I've watched where the ch- child oh, no, yeah, character yeah, has yeah, been written very, very annoying. annoyingly yeah, when yeah, yeah. that's really not the case often with children. So I that that annoys me. Like that this is how, this is a, an adult writing a child. Yeah, and, and, or, or, or the other side, which is what I was saying, which is when they, they put them to perfect. Yeah, make them too to, perfect. To, to, yeah. Yeah. well-rounded which is when, which, is, which is very unrealistic yeah. and 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 children should aspire to that not see themselves as they are supposed to already be that right which is we encountered a lot of that with Ezra where people wanted him to be in that position already and, mentally yeah and, maturely. And, and he was a kid yeah 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 so this arc was really fun in in revisiting my childhood, I thought, because who who doesn't want to build a lightsaber? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> uh, and so you're introduced to these characters, Katuni, Petro, Gunji, Ganodi, Zat, and Biff. And I was very impressed that they even, you know, thinking back to Rebels 
and the budgetary concerns that they had in terms of creating all this stuff and and then Clone Wars is such a drastic there's such a drastic difference there because there's six kids yeah like they had to create maquettes and things for these individual characters so imagine the amount of effort and money and all the resources that had to go into for that four episodes for four episodes <laughs> you know and, and then not only that but then they go through wardrobe changes you, you know you see them as they are at the very beginning then they're wearing their winter outfits then they're wearing carnival outfits yeah. and it's just like oh my god yeah <laughs> it was really impressive to see six and not just like two or three because that's the only thing that they could work with and then everything else that happens, you know, you see Hondo and then all these other characters <laughs> pop in and you're like, what? This is this is insane. It's yeah. like a movie budget yeah. for four episodes. <laughs> and I also like how they were mostly non-human. Yes. That's so important because in Star Wars, I want to see more of that. Not just in the background, but I want to see more non-human protagonists people leading the stories that aren't human why is this so hard oh my god the shoey oh i know the little, the little uh, that was ganji 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 i love him ganji was i want ganji i knew she was going to fall for ganji everyone yeah. did and i forget i didn't look up where when george had said this but he for some reason didn't want wookies to be force sensitive i don't remember the reason why but I think they decided to just go ahead and make one Force-sensitive for this art. Yeah, and when um, the professor tells him, like, you're unique. Oh, yes. Uh, that was oh, Hu Yang. Yeah. yeah, you're very um, unique and, and your, your race must be very proud. Right, right. Oh. That was very cute. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, He's so adorable. <laughs> And his lightsaber, his lightsaber was the was most awesome. awesome of them all. Yeah, I remember I fell in love with that lightsaber because it was made of wood. It was oh, so unique, so unlike gorgeous. anything we had seen before. Yeah, that was special, and I'm glad that they had him in there because you know it enhances the experience even more. You, it's not you're not seeing the same lightsaber being built. You know, it's just it's something different, and yours can be just as unique and different as well. At least the one that exists in my mm-hmm. head. <laughs> and I, you know, I had posed the question, which youngling is your favorite? But we already know. Yes. Yes, it's Gunji. Gunji. Yes. Gunji is also my favorite. But I want to say Katuni is also up there. Um, I like the, the, girl, the girl pilot. Katuni? Katuni? Yeah, okay, yeah, yes. she had the uh, head situation up there. I forget what, uh, what species she is, unfortunately. She's, she was so friendly and, and childlike, you know, like... A Tolothian, that's what it was. And, <laughs> and uh, she ends up being left behind because she's supposedly the only one that had taking training in piloting so we didn't get to see a lot of her but oh no you're not that's okay so i know that's the one no you're talking about ganodi the green one that's the one the okay. one the pilot one yes okay ganodi you're talking about ganodi yeah yeah you yeah. see you see too many <laughs> weird names <laughs> she's a rodian i like her you like her yeah yes. yeah she was cool too i like that her fear or that her insecurity was uh losing hope Hope. very easily which is sad to think about because especially what happens 
later on with Revenge of the Sith and how the Jedi Order falls. And we know what Anakin does. And, and unfortunately, a lot of younglings die. But she's going to have to have hope if she survives that event. And if she did, I don't want her to be in a situation where she's lost all hope. Yeah. And it, it's easy to lose it yes and it i thought is. she was the most i think she was the most relatable because it's it's easy to lose it yeah most definitely and that and that's the reason one of the reasons i like her because she's the one you can relate the most in terms of of fear because a lot of people you know um have fears of heights and a lot of people are very gungy were very impatient Patience, yeah but hope is so, so important in life every day. You know, waking up, doing your thing. That That is so essential to have that feeling that things are going to... Things are gonna go. Things are gonna get better. You know, it's gonna happen. Right. And you're gonna, and you have to keep going. And that was her. Right. And also her spunkiness, like. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> you know, I really like that spunky. too. Yeah, she was. Uh, and. Petro's, I thought, was also important um, going from very selfish to yes. selfless because that is an important theme that we see in Star Wars. And even Dave Filoni had referred to it at the Star Wars Rebels panel in Star Wars Celebration where he talked about selflessness versus selfishness and how selflessness is the way of the Jedi and selfishness is the path to the dark side. I remember just being so in awe of what he was talking about. It was very simple. It was stuff that we would already know, that we already know. It's the way but he it's puts just the it. way that he puts it. Yeah. <laughs> and I know we've said that before, but it's just such a fascinating... Anytime he talks, I'm just like... <laughs> It's, it's sort of like it's yeah. It's sort of like 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 it, it, it hypnotizes you, and you just stay there and you listen and you listen, and you cannot remember half of the stuff he talked, but you are like, wow, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I, I I love it. I I love it when he starts talking. Start, start talking, yeah. Because yeah. one, you're gonna learn, and two, it's just like wow, yeah. <laughs> Also in the episodes, I found it interesting that the kids would call Ahsoka Padawan Tano instead of Commander Tano. Tano. It really takes you out of the war and reminds you that the Jedi aren't supposed to be militaristic. No. And that they aren't supposed to have these military titles like Commander and General and this and that. She's just Padawan Tano. She's learning just like they're learning. It just gives you a little bit more of insight into why Kanan hated to be called General. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah he didn't he like did it. He did not like it. <laughs> and I know that at the very beginning, uh, the, uh, the Jedi are also supposed to be a family to these children, because that's what the narrator says. Specifically, the narrator said, when a youngling is located, they are brought to the Jedi Temple and learn quickly that their true family is now the Jedi Order. But to me, family is such a strange word to use for the Jedi, because what the Jedi symbolized for me is more like a school. It's more of, you know, like Hogwarts, where you go to learn. But it's not, I, I wouldn't consider well, it a family, because would a family really put you through a cave where you have to, like, 
<laughs> figure out. Uh, I don't to... know, but there's families out there that's that put true. you through worse. That's true. That's now, true. I, I think it's family in terms of that uh, sense of belonging. Oh, of okay. that sense of this is where I belong. This is this is my home. No matter what happens out there, no matter where I am, no matter you know how far I am, this is the place I come to center myself to be who I am. Okay, yeah, I can you see know? that now. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was taking it to very literally, literally like literally. brother, sister. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like, no, no, no. I, I think it's more in the sense of of, of belonging, right? Of, and of, then. I've been fortunate enough to have a loving family. So then I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, embracing your emotions, uh, conveying your emotions, whereas the Jedi aren't that. No. You know, and, and so I was thinking, family, really? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you think about it in, in, in the Jedi order, you, you have to learn to control your emotions, learn to live with that. So it, it's more of a place where... You belong and you you are made to feel comfortable because whatever you're capable of, we are all capable of it. it. You're, not, you know? you're not alone. Exactly. Right. And so we also learned that the planet Ilum, the wintry planet, is the most sacred place for the Jedi. And Katuni, when she steps off the ship, she says that it's not the most hospitable planet. <laughs> and and to me, it's fascinating how a cold planet, very wintry planet, would be considered sacred to the Jedi. Because when I think of cold, I think of, you know, harsh environments. I think of uh, something that's uninviting, or distance, like cold-hearted or uh, emotionally cold. You can find a lot of beauty in the snow, in the in the whiteness, uh, the of, innocence of it. Of it yeah. you know? And and you know, even in Star Wars Rebels, when Ezra was tampering with the dark side, he said he felt cold. So I, you know, I always associate that with the dark side, with the Sith. On the other hand, you know, you have the Sith who are represented with warm colors like red and yellow, which are meant to be more passionate and emotional. Which they are. Which they are, yeah, Because yeah. that's why they... But then it's cool that the Jedi have these cooler colors like blue and, and, and white, which is more neutral, but you have, you know, these cold things that they are associated with but it goes along with you know their whole no, no attachment and whatnot to me it's, it's it's cold in two different ways when he was feeling that call from the dark side and he said he felt cold it was a cold inside right, right. it was a, a, a like the soul his soul being cold right while the planet is cold physically to me they're two different types of cold but i don't know I do. because he was shivering he was actually physically cold yeah but it was more coming from inside coming out right from the inside out i just Not- <laughs> i get what you mean it's just it's funny that the yeah, jedi even even, even the yeah. lothal jedi yeah. temple was in the north, north northern hemisphere yeah. there was ice everywhere yeah and yeah. snow so i just find it interesting Very, yeah. how they are associated with those conditions yeah. because in a way they are sort of cold in yeah. that they don't embrace their emotions the way that they should yeah or they try to like be this absolute which you say the the Sith deal in absolutes but the Jedi yeah, do too do, uh, doing basically the same thing right but right. in a, you know in in a different way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I don't like the cold, but I love the, the, the winter and the winter storms. I love it. I just don't want to deal with you it. You don't want to be outside when it happens. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and um, I love when they get to the planet and they're doing the opening and she tells them, concentrate. Yes. Ah, that Rebels. Yeah, it reminded <laughs> you of Rebels. Yeah, those are some <laughs> cool similarities there. Nice looking back that on. That was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So you remember Kanan and Ezra stretching their hands and... Even the doorways that Ezra has to go through look exactly like the doorways that the kids have to go through. And it's even funnier when you remember, as at least I remember, when Ezra was doing um, Lothrat, Lothcat, Lothwolf, Run, Pick a Path, and All is Done. He was like just randomly choosing. <laughs> um, and then the kids do something similar, but, but, but they let their instincts yeah, take, take over. over. Because they, they've had training from... Probably they, all, all of them have been there since they're very little. The b probably babies or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Ezra came into yeah. it a bit later. So he was into the uh, mini, yeah. mini, mini mo. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that Yoda was also involved. You yeah. know, and he was also involved with Ezra's trial too. Speaking of Yoda, he tells them, you know, if Jedi you are to become. And, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Because I knew that Ezra would own up to his Jedi-ness later on. But, you know, the idea of a child going through the cave and not succeeding, like, what would happen? Do they have, like, remedial classes or something <laughs> for, for students who aren't able to overcome their fear or aren't able to overcome their insecurities or their, their vices in some way? And, and what happens if they come out and they don't have their little crystal i don't know like, are they not meant to be jedi in that case <laughs> i don't know I, I think that the whole premise of the trial like in the end we see that petro gets out right and you, you it was all in, it, it was it, all in their mind exactly yeah, yeah. and regardless of how long it takes it's gonna happen some may take longer come to think of it if the child wasn't ready To get their crystal, they wouldn't be, be there, there in the there first place. They, 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 But it still answers my question. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they have to have some students where they try teaching them these things, but they just don't follow for whatever reason. Well, in the end, we know that that you can go through training and not be a Jedi. That's true. I mean, there have been several situations that we see that as, a, as adults. I'm talking about like maybe like, like at their age. Like, what happens? Do they do they essentially give up on them? Do they say that the Jedi way is not their way and they take them back where? Their family gave them up for this new role. I don't know. I'm, I'm overthinking it. But yeah, <laughs> like most things. Like most things in life. But it's just, it's just an interesting thought. So, yes, like it, yes. There yes. has to be, I mean, there has to be a first for everything. And there had to have been a child that just didn't connect with the Jedi way. It's just, you know, there's a story out there, Lucas, so you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that if there was ever a case like that, it, it would have been a very special case and they would have known how to deal with it. Because I don't know if you noticed that there's varied ages for these kids to go through these trials. They just not go all at the same time right. or at the same age. Right. So I think that as, as they progress... They know exactly the, the point where they're ready for it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I think that the safeguards are there to keep working. <laughs> yeah. 
And I like that Gunji's crystal was making that sound. Yeah. But in reading the trivia, it was more of a callback to Empire Strikes Back when Chewie gets caught and, um, oh, he's in that cell and he's being exposed to that annoying sound that really drives him crazy. But I, I like to think of it as more, that's just the way that the crystal is. It was just calling out to calling him. Calling out to yeah. him in a, in a so, frequency, in a way that will attract him. Yeah. That, it will, that, that will call his attention. That will make him impatient. And, like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like, gotta get to it. I gotta get to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, it also reminded me of Ezra. Because he could hear them singing yeah. or, you know, calling to him. And I always loved that about Ezra, where he was just so attuned to something that seemed inorganic, but has some organic-like uh, features. features yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I also like how the kids at the very beginning were very encouraging toward each other. Like, Zat told Katuni when she had to climb up that she could do it. You know, just believe in yourself. And Ganodi told Gunji that he needed patience. And at the same time, she was kind of like, well, I got to do my own thing. <laughs> but, well, kids. Yeah, you know? kids. You know, they, they're encouraging, but they also got to be like, I got to focus on me now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Katuni told Biff that he's a Jedi and that he, he should trust himself and trust the Force. So I like that they were all supporting each other, but... Once they were on their own, they were doubting themselves. Yeah. And I thought that was very relatable because a lot of us have support systems. But once we're isolated and on our own, we start to doubt ourselves or our mind starts to... And it goes to... Uh, criticize ourselves. And it goes to what uh, Yoda told them before they went in about, you know, you're going to need each other. That it, it, it may be your trial... Each of them will have a trial, but in the end, they all have to work together. They all needed each other. In some way, yeah. Mm. But I also find interesting that Yoda, when some of them had already come out with their own crystals, that they were willing to go back inside to help. But Yoda says, no, you stay here and, you know, let them do what they have to do. I thought that was important because... You know, you have to let children and even adults learn things on their own. But at the same time, I was just like, dang, Yoda, come on. They, they want to help. But then, he, but, but then he knew right, what they right. didn't know. Right. And that's, that's basically he, he, he was telling them to be patient, to wait, because he already knew what the outcome was going to be. But he didn't want to give it up either because then it makes the whole thing worthless. Mm -hmm. It had to mean something to them all the way until the end. Exactly. Then in the end, when Petro came out and they said, but you said, that's when he revealed the true meaning of what he said. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, it's a... And that's why I love Yoda. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it was a prison within your own oh, mind. mind. Yeah. Rather than a physical prison, which reminds me of uh, Cassian in Rogue One. Um, Chirrut tells him that there are different prisons. Different type of prisons. Yeah, exactly. And a fortune cookie specifically for a test of strength was the young are often underestimated, which is very true. true. Yes. <laughs> and I know we've mentioned it before, but, you know, you don't underestimate kids. Don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> And, and, and you know what? You know what the problem is? I think that when we grow up, we tend to start seeing things at a higher level, right? Right. So we forget 
where we came from. And we tend to dumb down the other levels we had to go through in order to get up. Right. You know, mm -hmm. this is the approach I, I take. You know how, how, how I always tell new parents, you know, don't let a child do now what you're not willing to take from them when they're 15 or 16. Same type of behavior, different situations. Why are you laughing at now? If when they do it when they're 15, you're not going to laugh, mm. you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Same thing, same concept. It's a different level, but the smarts are there. The intuition is there. The creativity is there. It's just a different level. level yeah. And you have to come down and see it for what it is. Yeah. And that's a problem. That's why we underestimate children so much because we just... Think they're not capable. capable. Right. But they are. If you think about it, if you really observe and you think about it, they are. They, they are. have the capabilities. They have the creativity. They have every all the tools they need. Yeah. But at their level, yes. they just need to learn to keep going up and up and up. I, it always reminds me of this show i forget what channel it was it might have been national geographic or some some of those sciencey channels they had like a brain focused show and they had a situation where adults were asked to interpret this abstract design like what do you see and and they had to announce their thoughts within i, I believe like it was like a minute and the most that an adult could say was maybe two things because that's the only thing they could see but when they gave the same abstract design to kids they were coming up with some crazy wild things because their mind was on a completely different level and their imagination was so open to and, anything that they, they weren't and, ashamed to say anything and it, it, and it wasn't just the fact that their imagination was closed it's that they didn't have the concept of limits. Right. They weren't limiting themselves. So they, they were throwing everything out because they, they were free to do it. As adults, we limit ourselves. Yes. We start putting boundaries on everything we think and do. And yes, boundaries are needed. Important. Are yeah. important. But not in everything. Right. You know. Open your mind, see beyond the possibilities. Yeah, yeah. And I think we saw that a lot with how they handle themselves against the pirates, yes. mm -hmm. especially when they joined the circus act. Oh, my God. Yeah. They immediately <laughs> went into, <laughs> into circus mode. Yeah, like, don't <laughs> underestimate them. They come up with crazy things that could, very, that could be very useful, beneficial in those crucial moments. And I like that Ahsoka had also mentioned Anakin, and she said... I learned from my master that sometimes doing the right thing means bending the rules. <laughs> and, you know, and Anakin, yeah, he has his methods and sometimes I don't agree with them, but it's true. Sometimes to do the right thing, you have to bend the rules. And it's when how you bend them. It's, uh, yes, yeah, how it, you bend it's, them. It's knowing how you bend them. Yes. You know? Yeah, Anakin. So funny. <laughs> like, I, when, when I heard her say that, I started laughing and said, yep, that was your master. <laughs> And, and it benefited her because she yeah. was able to bend the rules in a way that was beneficial to her in, in very crucial moments, like uh, when she was captured by the Trandoshans and she mm -hmm. had to survive on her own. And we get introduced to Hu Yang, who is voiced by, and I'm glad you picked it up after I yes! told you, you gotta, yes! you gotta pay attention, mommy. I, I, I'm sorry, I have to know my doctor. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. I had to know my doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, uh, David David Tennant Tennant. had voiced this character. I I watched a little featurette with Dave Filoni, and he said that it was so cool talking to the doctor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Over the phone. Yeah. (laughs) It's Doctor Who, man. So, yes, uh, David Tennant is a fan of star wars and that's how they managed to lure him in you know having seen him as scrooge mcduck in the new <laughs> ducktales i couldn't help but, but hear scrooge, scrooge <laughs> in this See, character you know you you hear it, and it it's not hearing scrooge it's seeing scrooge in your mind yes. you know because you hear the voice and you see the image yeah right, right. <laughs> And I also like that when he goes through all these different cupboards and and drawers, and it was very Harry Potter like. Yeah, it it, it was like um, what's his name? Ollivander. Uh, Ollivander is trying to figure out which one. Ooh, this one. Oh no, no, this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I like that, and I think I think that's the thing that they were going for if i remember correctly i'm uh from an interview or something but yeah they captured that very well yeah it was so so magical and some people actually were disappointed with the younglings assembling the the lightsabers because they were assembling them with prefabricated parts like the parts were already in there and i guess these people had imagined them building things from scratch i guess like welding metal and whatnot <laughs> i don't know but did that bother you the fact that there were not already prefabricated all. parts there things evolve so maybe in the beginning the jedi did do their own thing from scratch but as the order evolved, things changed. And this became a more efficient use of the force. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved the fact that there was all these cubbies with all these little parts. And they were all meant to come together. And you had to put them together. Right. You know, like a Lego. And I think they, if I remember correctly, reading in the trivia guide, they had used... Either Disneyland or Disney World had something like that, and they used that as inspiration. So, you know, people went in and built their lifesavers with parts that they had set out and whatnot. And Galaxy's Edge does that. They have Savvy's Workshop, where you come in and you build your own lightsaber with prefabricated parts. They're not going to have you weld stuff in there. (laughs) Although that would be really cool. (laughs) But speaking of... Hu Yang, uh, you know, you have a droid that's been around for a thousand years. And uh, at first, when Dave Filoni was approached with the idea, he was kind of weirded out by it. You know, like a droid showing Jedi how to construct their saber. Is that even right? How is that? I don't think the magic would have been there had it been a human passing it to another human. It it was just cool to not have it be unexpected that way. I was fascinated. I was like, oh my God, he's a droid and look at him opening things. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. And, and, you know, it's funny because in A New Hope, you go into a cantina and the droids aren't allowed in there. And then you have this droid who is instructing Jedi. So it's just interesting how certain people view droids throughout the galaxy. I I, I love that. (laughs) The poor thing lost its legs, its arms. Yes, that's right. At one other point. Yeah, yeah. A callback to C-3PO, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And he lost all his limbs and parts. 
But I'm going to play the Dave Filoni feature right here, so that way you learn more about the, the process of putting him together. Can everyone gather around, please? You have all successfully passed the gathering and harvested your crystals. Your lesson begins now. Hey, I'm Dave Filoni, Supervising Director of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and I'm here to talk to you about an interesting character that's in our Younglings arc. May I introduce you to architect and lightsaber designer, Huang. To teach the kids how to build their lightsaber, we wanted something really special. I swear they get younger every expedition. Christian Taylor, the writer, came up with the idea of having a droid. My first instinct was, whoa, I don't know about that. Uh, a droid teaching Jedi? You expect us to learn from a droid? Who said that? The more I thought about it, the more I realized that it was a really great idea that Christian had. That you know, this droid, when I thought about it, could have lived on that ship, you know, a thousand years. Inside my memory banks, I contain a record of every lightsaber ever made and the Jedi who fashioned them. I also like the idea that he could reach into all these different compartments and pull things out. So it seemed like he had a, a whole bunch of items at, at his fingertips. Ah, I wondered where I put that. My grandfather had a garage and a basement that was filled with old tools and pieces of equipment and all kinds of things. It's just kind of an interesting sense of history in, in places like that. Let us begin. There is much more work to be done. Something that I always feel very strongly about is Ralph McQuarrie's design. Uh, his sense of aesthetic, which I think really drives the look of Star Wars from beginning to end. Early on, Ralph had done a, a series of illustrations for some pre-Star Wars books. A lot of those designs kind of poured into his early concept work for C-3PO. Since Huang in some ways was acting as a counterpoint to R2-D2, he thought it'd be appropriate to maybe build him off the design Ralph had for like a precursor to C-3PO. So we were looking at an older type of protocol droid, but one that was also very much into engineering and mechanics. Yes, you have brought me crystals, but they're all useless unless you give them life. Killian oversees all design, and I said, you have to do the design, Killian, because you know I knew that he would really understand Ralph's aesthetic to really bring it to screen and the way it needed to be depicted. Do you know how to awaken the force within the crystal? No? then I suggest you listen and learn until you think of a question this droid cannot answer. When you consider the time span and how long Hu Yang has been helping the Jedi build their lightsabers, his being a droid actually made quite a lot of sense. There's a little bit of the very, very first ever painting of 3PO and or 2 on the desert plateau in what eventually became Hu Yang. Some of the shapes are quite similar. There was a mention of sort of trying to imply a little bit of a sort of Asian influence and definitely thinking about materials that felt as if they were from antiquities. The metals that we sort of looked at were things like beaten copper, bronze. His leather sort of toolkit and belt is deliberately very aged and worn and made up of old sort of stitched together scraps. Because Hu Yang is so closely associated with the ship that he is in, there was a sort of visual continuity so that you could sort of feel that these two things were built to go together. They look like their counterparts. It's a package deal, you know. You buy one of these, they throw in a Hu Yang. Unhand me, brigand! Once we had all those elements, I needed a, a great voice for Hu Yang. And I just absolutely loved uh, what David Tennant was doing with Doctor Who. 
there was such a quizzical nature to the character, a sense of whimsy, but it could still get very powerful uh, emotion out of the character, a lot of intensity, uh, a lot of anger, you know, it's such just a great display of range. The only person you are going to kill with that, my young friend, is yourself. You have inverted the emitter matrix, which will cause the power grid to backfire. Light this, and all that will be left of you and your lightsaber will be your crystal. I thought, man, I'd love to get this guy on, on Clone Wars somehow. And then, you know, I find out he is a Star Wars fan. Because, you know, that makes the possibility that I can get a hold of them a lot better, to be perfectly honest. Artu, do something! I don't know, we have to shake Grievous off! Get aggressive! Yeah, David came on, did a wonderful job with Huang, even impressed George. Uh, George, you know, said that Huang made a really, really great companion to R2-D2. Um, you know, something that's usually just reserved for 3PO. Too aggressive! Far too aggressive! Look guys, I'm, I'm still a fan like you guys are of so many things, and to get on the phone with the doctor was, I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> you must trust that the components that form your lightsaber are meant to be together. Something that I also wanted to keep intact in the storytelling was an emphasis on how a Jedi brings the lightsaber together by meditating and kind of seeing the picture in, in, in their mind to bring all the pieces together to form the lightsaber. We were making that, just so you know, before the celebration where we saw the clip of Luke Skywalker <laughs> working on his lightsaber with a little screwdriver. But you know, I like the mystical way as well. So maybe, maybe Luke had already done that. He was just refining it at that point in the cave. You know, there's always little twists and turns for your continuity. But that is a little explanation of the character of Huang and how he came into being. Uh, the custodian of Jedi lightsaber knowledge on the Crucible. I have instructed younglings for over a thousand generations, and these are among the best I have ever seen. And of course, Hondo is a character who plays a part in this arc. Hondo lives by this quote, and I'm glad that he said it because now I can refer back to it and say, this is Hondo. He said, my mood is based on profit. <laughs> oh boy, Hondo, you know what? Hondo did surprise me on this arc because Hondo, Hondo was like mean. He was cruel. He, he, he was willing to kill kids. Yes. This kids for profit. For for a little crystal. Yeah, that's that's the thing that shocks most people when they like, go back and then watch Clone Wars. Like, oh my god. <laughs> and not only that, but he was willing to to sell Ahsoka into slavery. You know, he goes from one extreme to the to other. Because the <laughs> then we see him getting because he, he, he practically got attached to, to Katuni. Katuni. Yeah. And we see him. And, and in the end, when he winks at her and they make this connection. So so to me, I was like, so this is when he start being our Hondo. Right. You know, right. the one that, that we Rebel see. Hondo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so interesting to see him go from dead or alive children to, he says, I don't like taking children into battle. And, and Ahsoka's like, you didn't have a problem with that before. before. <laughs> but yeah, he encourages Katuni to, you know, finish building his lightsaber, her lightsaber, because... To him, that's a priceless experience. But the way he did it. Yes. And, and, and this, the moment I saw this, I said, does Hondo have kids? 
You know, I have no idea. Because he did what a father does. He encouraged her to build the, the saber by telling her, uh, you know, I, I would like to see how you do it. You know, like manipulating her into sitting down and doing it. Right, right. <laughs> Which most parents, this is how we get our children mm-hmm. to do things, by manipulating them into doing it. Right. So I went in my head, does he have kids? And he knows how to deal with them? Maybe. Or maybe because <laughs> the other people that he works with, you know, he has to deal with that level of adolescence. And this is what leads into that quote that you mentioned before, because then Ahsoka tells him, like, you, why, you, why are you, why you putting you put on a show? show? Yeah. He's uh, like, today, you're lucky for you today. I like children. children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yesterday, when you had watched the episodes, you said that Katuni had put the seed in Hondo. Hondo, yeah. So do you think that maybe Hondo saw Katuni when he first met Ezra? Maybe. Maybe. Like, maybe. Reminder him of, of a little Katuni, yeah. you know, like a, a little youngling. A little youngling, yeah, because he made the same offer to her, you know, come join my band, band of pirates, pirates. which yeah. is what he tells Ezra, you know, be a pirate Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think that he still has, maybe he doesn't remember her name or doesn't uh, really remembers her, but, you know, there, I like how you said it. Like, there's a little seed that she planted in him that yeah. made him be more open to characters like Ezra. Yeah. And I like to think that uh, Katuni, if she did survive Order 66, and to be honest, I believe they all did. I don't think yes, Jenna, any of them we, died. We, we know that your mind cannot accept. <laughs> no, it cannot. No, no. your 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 mind cannot accept tragedy. No, no, no. It, it just goes to happy endings. Yes, happy endings. <laughs> I like to think that she made it out and that she joined Hondo's pirate band. And you know, eventually they had to part ways because she was, you know, she was growing up. She needed her own life, and and he became the the, the Hondo that we see in Rebels. <laughs> So there we go. (laughs) And I also wanted to pull up a comment that Dave said in an interview. The the way that he described this this arc, I I like this particular quote. He said, I think something that really works about this story arc is you begin with a very magical moment for these kids by themselves where the threat is only within themselves. And then you move on to the next stage, which is one type of external threat. But it's really a selfish threat motivated by trying to take money. And Hondo and the pirates are funny but threatening. And I think the kids are able to deal with them to some degree. It's only when they are really on their own and they go and confront that by themselves and trick Hondo in a very carnival kind of way. It reminds you a little bit of Dumbo. Then the real evil comes knocking on their door in the form of General Grievous. It's kind of interesting to see them grow over four episodes so quickly and even to the effect that they would make one of the would-be villains Hondo not act like a villain later. When Grievous shows up, it reminds us all that this guy is just an evil murdering thing. There's no negotiating with this guy. I think that's why it really works. The kids and the actors that portrayed them really sold us on their, at times, naiveness and cleverness without being too far over the top. Yeah, um, and Grievous. Oh, Grievous. What an annoying guy. I'm sorry. I I find him annoying. (laughs) He is an annoying character. He is one of those things that you want to... 
swap and chew fly yeah go away yeah but it keeps coming back it's funny because some people consider Jar Jar to be the annoying character, but Jar Jar to me is the no. most endearing, charming character. No. But Grievous to me is just like, do we really need him here? My God, <laughs> no, no. There's no comparison whatsoever. Grievous is the annoying one. <laughs> and I keep saying it every time yeah, I did. saw him. Yeah. Oh God, not him again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah i thought that was that was hilarious and just him and his spider legs the way that oh, he like crawls so, on the ugh. floor yeah freaks me out <laughs> but uh, i like how ahsoka handled her own against yes him. Yeah, yeah it was a very uh sharp contrast to where she had um faced him much earlier in season one when she was defending rex you can t- definitely see the growth in ahsoka there and speaking of ahsoka some miscellaneous things at the we very saw beginning. The baby. Yeah, you thought you saw you saw her and you she said, Oh, what a little cute. And then I said, That's Ahsoka. And you're like, What? That's Ahsoka. Yeah, it's such a cutie little thing, baby. Yeah, with her little thingy. Yeah, with her little head. Yeah, her little mantras. And and Plo Koon was there to you know take her. And it was it's interesting because um, most of the time I guess they take babies mm-hmm. uh, but she was definitely already a little bit more grown um, maybe two three years yeah, yeah that's it or, or or a precocious kid like me that was walking at nine months Jeez, nine months mommy yeah that's what my mom told me nine months and i was running around in an airport wow making people laugh because i was so little uh interesting but yeah, and then there's Hondo uh, using Jango Fett's ship, uh, what will eventually become Boba Fett's ship, the Slave One. And I thought it was cool that the episode Unnecessary Bond, which is the fourth episode of the arc, it felt a lot like the last battle from Star Wars Rebels, the one with Kalani. To me, it was similar because you have the pirates and the Jedi coming together to fight the Separatists. And then in the last battle, you had the Republic and the Separatists coming together to fight the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. And, and, you know, having watched this arc, what do you think is more intimidating? Taking the SATs or going to find your crystal in the cave somewhere? <laughs> um, I do test very well. No, I don't. Not, I do not test well. So I think this is a question that 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 will have very interesting answers from different people. Because yeah. I remember here in New York City, they give three tests to students who are uh, studying to be math majors to to be teachers. So you have to take t- three different tests, and I took all three tests without even studying or reading a book or even finishing the courses I was supposed to have been finishing to take those tests. I just went in like, whatever, you know, if I pass it, I pass it. If not, then I know what the test is all about. And I pass all three Jeez. first time around. I tend to do that with standardized tests. It's like, very can't. easy for no, me to yeah, pass it's them. Just like t- it's like testing for my common sense and sometimes yeah. i don't have any so it's just <laughs> so, so i hate it so, so i will say that that the question is, it was what's intimidating more intimidating sats or the caves so i will have to say the caves because in the caves i will need more than oh, i guess what would you prefer i guess sats in this situation yeah because I, I do well in them I, I don't know i guess i'll take the cave as long as, <laughs> as long as there are no roaches in the cave as long as there are no bugs like 
Indiana Jones type bugs or anything in there, no. Then you're going to have to be like, was it Katuni that had, was afraid of heights? Yeah, heights. I can do that. I think I can do it if, if the moment calls for it. Yeah, the, the girl who bungee jumps is afraid <laughs> of heights. Figure that one out, yeah. people. I mean, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I took it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what were your overall thoughts on this arc? I, I, I liked it. Especially I, I, compared to Onderon. We were on Onderon, you know, there was a... A mini war happening there, a mini battle, and it's just like, well, you come to this, and you're like, whoa, okay, this is different. <laughs> um, but it, different in a good way. Yeah, of it's, course. It, it, the thing is that it may be different, but it doesn't disconnect from the whole, the whole story and the whole thing that is going on. You know, mm-hmm. because it, it, even in this arc, we see that there's a war going on. Oh, of course. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, we, yeah. We're away from it. We're not dealing with it, but we know it's there. Right. It's, you it's know? adjacent to everything Exactly. So um, I loved it. I, 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 and now knowing that they were thinking of doing a show on just the younglings, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how they would have ended that. Like, were they yeah. planning to go, like, towards Revenge of the Sith? Or are they? were they even just planning to go a little bit backwards? With it, it, it would have been interesting because um, how far are we from Order 66? Right now. And how young are those kids? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, we're pretty close because uh, we're still a few episodes away from Ahsoka, Ahsoka's big arc. And then maybe there's like a few more months to a year or so that happens when she's gone. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty so, close. So, probably would have gotten these kids a couple uh, maybe a, a year or two older mm-hmm. having to face the their companions trying to yeah. kill them yeah <laughs> that that would have been interesting yeah that's true yeah yeah and so that's it for today's episode next week we'll talk about the droid arc so Ooh, it's all about droids. droids all the fun stuff and a lot <laughs> of people don't like this arc but i love it so I, I think love droids. Love yeah, I think you'll love it too. And I won't say who, but uh, actually, no, I won't say at all. But there's a character, a familiar character that you like from Rebels that will be introduced in this arc. Ooh, yes. So I, I, can't, I, can't, wait. I can't wait for you to find for, out for who me it is. to jump and say, "Ooh, it's yeah. that one! It's that yeah. one!" <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll be uh, you'll I, be excited. and yes, people. That's exactly how I sound. Ooh. Yes, yes. <laughs> So in the meantime, visit thewookiegunner.com for news, reviews, and opinion pieces pertaining to the Star Wars animated shows. And follow TWG on Twitter by searching for the handle at TWG site. And listeners can also find me on Twitter with the handle at Hoobian214. And listeners can also find Geeky Bubble on Twitter by searching for at Geeky Bubble Pod and me with the handle Blue Jake Eyes. Last but certainly not least, if you haven't done so already, please follow our podcast network on Twitter by searching for at We Are Escape Pods and tune into Unmistakably Star Wars and the Sky Talkers podcast for more Star Wars news and discussion. And may the force be with you always. <laughs> <laughs>